Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I want to start out by telling you about an assignment that my 14-year-old son had, my oldest son, when he was 14. His public school had his freshman class interview someone and ask them questions that the public school laid out about who was their hero. So my son interviewed me with public school questions asking me who my hero was and we had a lot of fun because he knew who my answer would be. So imagine this, these are the questions he asked and these are the answers I gave and then he got to stand before his class and give these answers. So this is how it went. Who's your role model? Jesus. <laughs> what characteristics does this person display? He is the great God-man who is perfect in all his ways. Three, why do you look up to this person? He loved me so much to die for my sins and reconcile me to God. Remember, he's given these answers, public school. Four, what is your favorite quote of this person? John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Five, what significant things has this person done in the world? Oh, let's see. Uh, for starters, he created the world, defeated death, crushed Satan, rose from the dead to never die again so that through faith people could live with God forever. Question six. What kind of gift do you feel that this person gives to people? <laughs> Eternal life. <clears throat> Is this person self-sacrificing in any way? <laughs> yes, he took on the sins of humanity and died on the cross bearing the wrath of God. And the last question was, has this person ever made any mistakes in the past? <laughs> no. <laughs> He lived a sinless, perfect life. And, and really, it's not fair, right? So no matter who else that the kids choose as the role model, it will not compete with the greatness of Jesus. Jesus trumps all heroes and role models. And those who have a deep conviction that he really is that much greater than all that ever existed, then we can praise him and worship him, right? We can give allegiance and honor to him. But it is one thing to give what we would call props to Jesus as being the greatest ever, while another to actually live like Jesus is the greatest ever. It's one thing to give a mental assent to his greatness, but it's quite another to actually live in line with his greatness. And so I ask you, what would your life look like if you actually lived in line with the greatness of Christ? That when you woke up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, that throughout the day you're living your life in line with who Jesus is and in line by his grace with his greatness. What would that look like? Well, that's where we are going today as we turn back to the book of Galatians. 
And today we are finishing up Galatians, but we will return to a portion of it in 2019 as we're going to go through the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you're getting ready for 2019. We put a billboard up about the fruit of the Spirit, but a flyer in. We want you to get ready for the fruit of the Spirit in 2019. I just don't want to let Galatians go yet, so we're going to spend several more weeks in 2019 covering the fruit of the Spirit. But for those of you joining us here for the first time, I want to bring you up to speed on the book of Galatians. In Galatians, there are these false teachers who are trying to get the Galatians to submit to the Old Testament law, specifically trying to get them to believe in Jesus and be circumcised, believe in Jesus and keep the dietary code, believe in Jesus and jump through a lot of Old Testament hoops. And Paul pushes back and he says, no, no, salvation is not that way because Jesus plus Anything equals nothing. He hits that over and over and over again. Because salvation, as you remember, is, is, is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, which is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And this is the argument we've been seeing week after week as we've been going through the book of Galatians. The salvation is by grace alone, faith alone, finished work of Christ alone. Now, as we approach the end of this letter, Paul is not giving a typical sign-off filled with greetings and travel plans that you may find in some of his other letters. You see, he's still pressing on to the truths, the significant substance at the end of his letter, and it hits our hearts and our minds. And the central focus is in verse 14. Let's look at verse 14. Go and jump down there. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who talks like that? No one would ever boast in the electric chair or a guillotine but Paul is boasting, and he's excited about the cross. But his boast is not in just some ordinary instrument of torture because he connects it to Jesus Christ. His boast is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's in the cross of Jesus Christ that humanity can be reconciled to the Father by grace through faith. It is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that wrath was aimed at Jesus rather than sinners so that sinners can get grace aimed at them instead of wrath. And that is the good news. And that is why he continues to boast in the cross of Christ. So if Paul was here today, I'm sure he would say, I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone, so I boast in the cross alone. He's all about the cross. In fact, what we're going to see is that Paul never moves on from the cross. A lot of us like to think the cross is something we think about for our salvation, but then we move on to other things. Paul's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to continue to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Back in the day, I read a very soul-shaping book called The Cross-Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney. It's a really good book. It's a really small book, really encouraging. And it encouraged me with this idea that the, the cross of Christ should impact all of my daily living. My heart, my thoughts, and my decisions should be formed by the cross. And that we should never move on from the cross. 
And as we finish up Galatians and as Paul's boasting in the cross, I want us to, to finish up these remaining few verses by thinking about what would it look like to live this cross-centered life in all that we do? What would it look like? So you ready to do this? Let's start with verse 11. Look what he says. He says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Paul usually used a scribe as he dictated his letters, but here he grabs the pen and finishes up himself. And some think that he's writing in large letters because of his bad eyesight, which we learned about previously, but he may be writing in large letters because it's like he's writing in all caps or bold font to get his point across. It's like he is saying, pay attention. And as we start to think about how the cross shaped Paul, as we start here at the beginning, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about a cross-centered life focusing on the internal and not the external. A cross-centered life focuses on the internal and not the external. You got that in your mind? Keep going. Verse 12. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. The false teachers were all about the external as they desired, as it says here, to make a good showing in the flesh. They thought that their external observance of circumcision, dietary code, and certain holy days would bring praise to them from others. In fact, they are even trying to get the Galatians to get circumcised so that, as you notice in verse 13, they could boast in your flesh as a spiritual and personal accomplishment. They remind you of anybody? Remind you of the Pharisees? During Jesus' time, as it says of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 5, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. It's all about the external. They want to be noticed by others. This past Thursday night, many of you women were at the wonderful fellowship dinner with great encouragement and worship, and it was a great turnout even in spite of the pouring rain. I noticed that some of you men brought your wives up here in the rain and dropped them off and so they could walk right in. I noticed that. I noticed it so much that I thought, that is a really good idea. And so I did the same, but don't be so impressed. You see, my wife went out in the rain, got in the truck, and she drove here by herself and then when she got here, I was tracking her the whole time on my phone, on the GPS. And when she got here, I got into my car and drove 30 yards. <laughs> Picked her up at the truck, drove her around, got in line, and dropped her off at the front. <laughs> Did you notice? Are you impressed? You shouldn't be, right? Right, you shouldn't be, right? Because I was already here at work. 30 yards, all right? But see, this is what these these false teachers are doing. They're trying to impress others. Did you notice us? Did you notice us? They're trying to draw attention to themselves so that others can boast in them. But internally, 
something was off. Something was out of whack inside of them. Look again in verse 13. Verse 13. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. So externally they had the marks of circumcision, but they did not keep the law of God. This is not just a statement of their inability, but the statement talking about their hypocrisy, where they make this external showing while internally they are crumbling. And the real reason why they did not want to um, rely on the cross, instead they wanted to push, uh, push circumstances, uh, circumcision, did you notice? It's so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Their fellow Jews would not be very cool with the whole Jesus talk. But if their fellow Jews knew that they were talking about Jesus and yet they were still talking about circumcision and keeping the law, then their fellow Jews would leave them alone. You know why? Because the cross is offensive. It really is. If you don't think the cross is offensive, I'm gonna show you how it's offensive right now. This is why the cross is offensive. A lot of people get really angry and do not want to come to church. And they say, I don't want to come to church because the church is always telling me how to fix myself. But you want to make somebody really mad? Here's how what you do, make them really mad. Tell them there is nothing they can do to fix themselves. <laughs> right? That's the cross. The cross that talks about your inability and the ability of Christ to save you. And it's, that's offensive. I've heard it put like this. The cross is offensive to the liberal-minded person because the liberal-minded person is all about tolerance. And the cross is saying, oh no, it's only through the cross can one get saved. And that's offensive. But it's also offensive to the conservative-minded person because if it without the cross, without the cross and apart from cross, the good person is just as bad a shape as the bad person. The bad person is good as bad a shape as the good person. You see how that's offensive? It continues to say, you can't save yourself. And that is offensive. And so what do we do? We put up externals. We look like we have it together. We bring it all back to ourselves. And the cross is like, no, no, let's go right to your heart. And you know what that means for us? Not only does that mean we can rejoice in grace, but we don't have to cover up junk in our lives. I don't have to impress you. You don't have to impress me because God knows the junk and the sin, and that's exactly what he came to save. To save you from your sin, to save you from yourself, to save you from his wrath through the cross of Jesus Christ. So do not put up a front. If this book has taught us anything so far, is that you do not need to play the external religious games. Do you remember what we've really been hitting as the good news? The good news is that you are more wicked than you ever dare believe, right? But through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be more loved and accepted than ever dared hope. That is the cross of Christ, and that is the good news. So to God, we're an open book. Whatever, God, we're totally undone before you, and we rely on the cross alone. So not only does the cross cut through the externals to the internals, but also a cross-centered life thrives in the new creation while dead to the corrupt world. 
Look at verse 14. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As Paul boasts in the cross, it's not just a means of his salvation by grace, but also his sanctification. And when we talk about sanctification, that's just a fancy word of talking about your growth, your growth in Christ. So the cross is not only sufficient to save you, but the cross of Christ is sufficient to grow you, to conform you more and more to Jesus Christ. And in this verse right here, it's talking about our co-crucifixion with Christ as our old self was killed and now he's alive in Christ. You know what this means? That there's no way for the Christian that he should or she should continue to submit themselves to the reign of sin because there's been something broken. Our old selves were dead. We do not have to submit to sin anymore. We do not have to get Satan authority in our lives anymore. That has been crucified in Christ. We don't have to go there anymore. We can live in this new creation as new creatures in Christ, living a godly life. I tell you, in some of my darker pastoral moments, I just want to be honest with you, I sometimes wonder if people ever change. And in some of my darkest personal moments, I wonder if I ever change. You know, when I get into those dark places, I don't want to stay there because the Bible teaches me that people really do change because of the cross of Christ. We're not only saved, but we're also sanctified. We have been crucified with Christ, and the old ways are dead. We do not have to submit to the evil one anymore. We don't have to submit to our flesh anymore. We don't have to submit to sin anymore. We are new creatures in Christ. In fact, I would say this. Expect to change. Expect a big God to change you because of what has happened at the cross and your co-crucifixion with Christ. Expect a big God to change you so that you can live out this new creation life where you are dead to the world. It has no authority, it has no pull, it has no sway on you because you are in Christ Jesus, a new creation. If I asked you this morning, tell me how you're doing spiritually. Tell me. What would you say? You would say, oh, pastor, I try to read my Bible, I try to pray, and I try to go to church. And so sometimes we boil Christianity down to read your Bible, pray, and go to church, which are all good, by the way. But you are a new creation in Christ. And as you pray and read the Bible and go to church, you also have been created as a new creation in Christ to do something called good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, puts it this way. This is what Ephesians 2, 10 says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Uh, do you get this? You have been made a new creation in order to do good works, which God plans for you to walk in. You ever God has a plan for your life. It's called walk in these good works that he has planned for you. Many of you know, I live on a farm with a few animals. Some of you have been there. And we have two outdoor dogs that are great Pyrenees. There they are. They're called LGDs. 
and I don't know if you know what that means. LGD means they are livestock guardian dogs. They have been created to guard livestock. It's just somehow who they are by nature. They will just sit there and just watch the calves. They'll sit there and watch the goat, and they'll just sit there and they'll look out for threats. And we don't know what they're barking at most of the time, but they see something and they're just trying to keep all threats away from the livestock. But one day, our baby goat was killed by a coyote. And it was a devastating and gruesome death in our young lives as farmers. And my wife said, this just got real. (laughs) And the question is, where were the LGDs? Where were the livestock guardian dogs? Where were you guys? I'll tell you where they were. They were laying around in the front yard, soaking in the sun, sleeping. They have been created to guard the livestock. And because they were just chilling out, soaking in the sun, baby goat got killed. My brothers and sisters, do you understand that you have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works? And you may think, what's well, no big deal? It's no big deal if I just lounge around and do nothing. No, no. Other people are harmed. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I don't know what's in your mindset when you think about retirement. I don't know what's in your mindset that you had when you moved here. And I'm not going to say there is absolutely nothing wrong with you playing golf. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you boating. There's nothing wrong for you going on vacations. But I just want to tell you, you've not been created to be a tourist. Any amens at all? I didn't hear hear one. I want you to think about that. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And when you don't, others suffer. Let's move on to the last one. And that's a a cross-centered life flourishes in community rather than seeking to stand out. Flourishes in community rather than seeking to stand out. We'll finish at verse 16. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. You see, the false teachers were all about standing out, drawing attention to themselves, but Paul keeps focusing on the cross and all the like-minded people. And he says, you know what? If you believe like me, we all flourish in the body. And he says in verse 16 that those who walk in line with the rule of the gospel grace are targets of peace and mercy. In fact, they are the true Israel of God who believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But I want you to know this, that though in Christ you are a target of God's peace and mercy, you also notice from this context that you will also be a target of the enemy. Did you notice it there? You see in verse 17 that Paul bore the persecution on his body and he called it the brand marks of Jesus. And he was hoping that these false teachers wouldn't trouble him anymore. It's interesting to think that we get the target of God's grace and mercy, but we're also the target of the enemy. And if you you suffer in the Christian life, you've had problems, you've had struggles, you're fighting against the flesh, that's, that's normal. That is normal because the enemy is targeting us. And so what we want to do when we come together as a community is that 
We don't need to up one another to stand out, but we need to encourage one another and to comfort one another. Because the attacks of the enemy are so much that we want to go into battle side by side, right? We don't want to be facing one another in battle. We want to be going in battle side by side. And the image I have of this flourishing community was seen at the death of President George H.W. Bush. Now, I, I'm, I don't know if you watched any of that on TV, and the, the famous picture was of his service dog, Soli, that laid down by his casket. But I'm not talking about that loyalty. I'm talking about Bob Dole. You see, when I was in high school and college, I didn't know much about politics, but for somehow, I remember George Bush and Bob Dole. And they, and they went at each other at times, but they remained friends for years. So at the casket of Bush, I don't know if you saw this, Bob Dole wanted to salute his fellow World War II veteran and friend one last time. But there was a problem. He's 95, and he had to be helped out of his wheelchair, which was very painful to watch. I mean, the struggle to get him on his feet. And then he finally got to salute his friend. But did you notice? He saluted with his left hand. Why? Because his right side and arm and hand was damaged in the war. That's powerful. It made me think, wow, that's how we are as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not trying to up one another, but we are blood-bought sinners. And each one of us face a number of spiritual attacks. And some of you even have the marks on your body from these spiritual attacks. In your mind, in your heart, you, you felt attacked by the enemy. But we are here to encourage one another, to build one another up, to be with one another all the way on this earth until with Jesus in eternity. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, not trying to up one another, but to encourage one another and support one another so that the whole community can flourish. I, I, don't, I don't even want to finish this book. I've had so much of an enjoyment and I've been fed so much through this, this book of Galatians. I don't even want to finish it. I'm sad right now. That's why we're going to do all those weeks in uh, 2019. We're not going to be done with it. But I want you to think about something. I want you to think about what would it look like to live this cross-centered life over the next two to three weeks, what we would call the holidays. Because I don't know about you, but the holidays somehow tend to get people out of their rhythm. And when they're out of their rhythm, they're more prone to do and say things they regret later on. And when people get out of their rhythm, they're more open to the attacks of the enemy. And there's something just happens when we get out of our rhythm. So I want you to think about what would it look like to live the cross-centered life, of course, the rest of your life, but think about it specifically over the next two to three weeks. Once again, a cross-centered life focuses on the internal and not the external. Pay attention to what's going in inside. I know maybe your body's really hurting you. It's hard to pay attention, but pay attention to what's going on in your heart and apply grace. I would even encourage you, hey, Read that book, The Cross-Centered Life. Even for those of you who don't like to read, it is so short. And I know for a fact there is one copy in the library if you want to all read the, the library for that copy. But order that book. It's so short and it's so encouraging to keep us locked into the cross of Christ. A cross-centered life thrives in the new creation 
while dead to the corrupt world. Let me encourage you to live in the new creation as a new creation. You were created for good works. And all around you right now, there's a lot of lonely and suffering people during this season. Do not pass them by on the way out of town. Take some time to check on those who are vulnerable and make a point to care for them. And you know who I'm talking about. They're in your life. And lastly, a cross-centered life flourishes in community rather than seeking to stand out. Stay connected to one another over this break through emails, phone calls, texts. Go get coffee together. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ. We never want to move on from the cross of Christ. Martin Luther, he said it like this. He says, I feel as if Jesus had died only yesterday. Oh, that grips me. In the cross-centered life, C.J. Mahaney says that he's developed a way of responding to people who ask him, how are you doing? And rather than saying, great, thanks, or I'm fine, he always answers them, better than I deserve. He says, I deserve hell, I deserve wrath, I deserve destruction, and yet I get grace, I get mercy, I get adopted into the family of God, and I'm going to live with Christ forever, better than I deserve. My brothers and sisters, may the cross continue to shape you, because by God's grace, we are all getting from the Father better than we deserve. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.